morning we're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 3. We're reading Philippians 3 and we'll be reading the entire chapter. Listen to what Paul says. It says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen. Amen. This morning our sermon is coming from Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. We're coming to a new section in Colossians today. We just finished chapter 2. And in chapter 2, Paul has been teaching the Colossians that because they have Christ in his fullness, that they should not follow false teachers. The emphasis in a lot of chapter 2 has been what, on, what they should not do. Don't follow them. Don't believe them. Don't give in to what they're trying to sell you. But that actually raises a pretty natural question if you think about what's happening in the book of Colossians. Okay, we know what we shouldn't do, Paul, but now 
What should we do? How does the fullness, having Christ in his fullness, how does that change your life? And that's actually what Paul now turns to in chapter 3. And we'll see, starting this morning and in the weeks to come, Paul has a lot to say about what we should do. Because being united to Christ in all of his fullness, in all of who he is and what he's done, changes your life. With that in mind, let's actually read this opening part of the chapter then. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I really love this passage that we're looking at together this morning. Yes. One of those things in the, in the car this morning, the, the boys were asking, what's your favorite passage? What's your favorite part of the Bible? And it's hard to answer that. But this passage here in Colossians chapter 3 is one of my favorites because Paul here describes the Christian life in a way that just sticks with me. He says that we are all meant to be focused on heaven because we're connected to Christ. Focused on heaven because we're connected to Christ. It says everything in our faith in life falls into place when we've got those two truths straight. But this passage that we're about to look at is about so much more than just getting our theology right. right? This is actually life-transforming truth. For example, we can talk a lot about union with Christ, and we're about to. We're going to talk about union with Christ, that we share in Him and all that He's done. But do we know our need for Christ like Paul does here? In just four verses, Paul shows us that our entire Christian life, everything about us depends on being united to Christ in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, his reign, and his return. All of our life depends on Christ in all of his work. This passage, then, is really describing the gospel being worked out in the lives of all believers. It's describing what Jesus Christ has done for you, is doing for you, and will do for you, and the response also that he works in us. So as we look at these verses together, the main idea is that because we are united to Christ, we can live a heavenly life now. Because we're united to Christ and all that he is and all that he's done, we can live a heavenly life right now. So we look at that together. We'll see Paul's command in verses 1 through 2. We'll see the reasons that he gives in verse 3. And third and finally, we'll see the encouragement that he gives us in verse 4. Let's begin then with Paul's command in verses 1 through 2. Paul tells the Colossians, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind that are on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Actually, if you're, you're counting carefully, Paul gives two commands here, right? He says, seek the things that are above. And in the very next verse, he says, set your mind on things that are above. But as you can probably tell, just as you hear those, they mean basically the same thing. And this is it. Paul is calling us 
to live lives that are shaped by heaven. It's almost, as you read these words, it's almost like Paul is telling Christians to walk around always looking upward. Now, if you actually did that in your real life, that would look pretty strange, right? You know, my office is right in the front of our house, and I can look out, and there are lots of people walking up and down the street enjoying the, the good air. They're getting their exercise. Now, if I looked out my window and I saw somebody walking down the street, and they, all that they did was look up, I think that would be pretty funny looking. I've never seen somebody do that. But that's actually what Paul is calling us to do in our Christian lives, to always be looking upward to heaven, because heaven is not some sort of distant future reality for us. No, Paul is showing us here that being with Christ in heaven controls everything that we do right now. We're meant to be heavenly-minded people. Now, Paul commands us to live that way because we have been raised with Christ. That's how he begins this passage. And if you're a believer, then this truth applies to you. You and I have been raised with Christ. When you describe the gospel to somebody, when you say what it means to be saved, do you say this? Resurrection is a key part of our salvation. That's what Paul says. Right now we share. Right now we're sharing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's spiritually now, right, that we have been raised to newness of life. Think about what Paul says in Romans 6. And we're looking forward to when we'll actually feel it in our body as well, when our bodies are raised from the dead. But we have resurrection life now. Paul's command in these verses depends on Christ's resurrection life in us. You can see it because we have to actually be raised from spiritual death in order to live lives that are shaped by heaven. That's not natural. It's not natural to do that. No, we need the new life that Jesus alone can give. But we also need that resurrection life now. We need to be constantly sustained by Christ's resurrection life in order to keep living lives that are shaped by heaven. Obeying Paul's command here is only possible because Christ, through his Spirit, is constantly at work in us. So Paul is saying, if you have been raised with Christ, and you have, and that means you share in his life now, then focus on heaven. Focus on heaven You know, when he says here that you're supposed to seek the things that are above, you're supposed to set your minds on things above, he is describing way more than just actions. He's actually describing the entire focus and shape of your life. Set your mind on something describes that kind of single-minded focus that he calls us to have. So Paul is saying that we need to be focused on the things above. The things above, though, Paul purposefully leaves that pretty general, right? He doesn't seem to fill in what he's talking about, but he's clearly talking about things in heaven. And he's clearly talking about who's in heaven. He says that is where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I want us to think a moment for what what should we be focused on? What are those things above? Think Think with me for a minute. What is true of heaven? All right, who's there? Well, I said Christ is there, right? 
seated at the right hand of God. Actually, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are at the center of heaven. It's not really just a place. It's really, heaven is really about who is there, God. But there's other people there too, right? There are angels, there's other spiritual creatures, and there are believers who have already died. What are they like? What are they like? They are perfect. They have been made holy just like God. And what do they spend all of their time doing? They are praising God constantly. Paul is telling us that our lives now should be shaped by what is true of heaven right now. That our lives now should be focused on God that our lives now should be focused on becoming like Him, that our lives now should be focused on worshiping Him in all that we do. That life is our life too. Think about that kind of focus though. That is hard work. We all know it, right? We know that continually focusing on God and life with Him in heaven, that, that's hard work, especially because it can feel so distant to us. We sometimes think of heaven as this kind of future thing. When I die, I'll get there. But if you have that, and I think everybody of us has that kind of struggle, God knows it's hard. And he gives us the means of grace to help us. He gives us worship right now. This is practice for heaven, what we're doing right now. He gives us the reading of the Bible, God's word, hearing from him. He gives us preaching where we are hearing the voice of God. He gives us prayer where we're talking to him. He gives us fellowship with other believers like what we're going to have in heaven. He gives us the Lord's Supper pointing forward to heaven. These things in front of us, these things in our lives are the daily, weekly, regular ways that God uses to work in us to be able to make us keep looking upward. But if you are struggling with a focus on Christ, and a focus on those heavenly priorities. And again, we all struggle at different times. Go back to the basics. Go back to the basics. This is part of why, for instance, worshiping together in our families and by ourselves and as a church is so important. Because when we are worshiping together, when we come into God's presence, God is at work. He's reorienting us away from what we experience now toward himself in heaven. He's pointing us back to himself and he's giving us the strength that we need when we're actually in his presence. That's what God does here. God is the one actually at work in us in these ways. Now, Paul actually helps us to understand the command better. He's given this command to focus on heaven and he goes on to give us both a positive and a negative to help us to understand what he means. The positive here is in verse 1. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Paul is describing Jesus Christ. And he's describing him as he is now, as our exalted Savior. Because Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven, and he's now in that position of power and authority, seated at the right hand of God. Now we already saw that Part of why Paul brings this up is he's telling you to look at Christ, not just at heaven in kind of an abstract or a general way, but look to Christ. But he also tells us this, to look at the exalted Christ for encouragement. Because you are seeking, 
When you are seeking heaven, when you are looking up at Christ, you are seeking the very things, the very things that your powerful, exalted Savior has promised to give you. That's what he's promised to give you. He is in heaven now. And by his spirit, he takes what is now his. He doesn't keep it for himself. No, he gives it to you. He gives it to me. So looking up and seeing Christ, the exalted Savior, is an encouragement that our seeking for heaven will always be answered. That's the positive, and it's a great encouragement. But Paul also gives us a negative, a warning, really, in verse 2. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. There, There is a sharp contrast here between the things above and the things on earth. Paul's actually going to name some of those things that are on earth later in chapter 3. If you look at verses 5 and following, they're sins. They're sins. And Paul says, we don't need to joke around with this. These sins, these earthly things need to be put to death. That is how serious these things are. But Paul's focus here in chapter 2 is actually broader than just specific sins. Because there are even many good things on earth, things that God has made that can become distractions to us. Remember Paul's basic point. Our lives now should be shaped by heaven. This morning, if you took a hard look at your life, are there sins, sins that you know of that are affecting your focus, that are actually kind of getting in the way between you and heaven? Or are there good things that have become higher priorities than they should? Relaxation, family, work, friends, there's lots of things that can get in the way. And these kinds of things, these good things can become kind of subtle sins, shifting our focus slowly away from Christ and heaven back here to the things around us. Whatever it is in your lives, whatever it is in my life, we need to be constantly praying for God's help to know and to fight these temptations to focus on earthly things. So Paul has given us these great commands, this one great command to focus on heaven. In verse 3, he starts to show us the reasons. He says why they should focus, why we should focus our lives on Christ, why we should and why we can do this. There's actually two reasons here. The first one is very simple. He says, you have died. You have died. And when Paul says this, he means that you have died with Christ. He actually has just talked about this at the end of chapter 2, right? He said, you died with Christ to the elemental spirits of the world. That means that you and I are not under spiritual slavery anymore. As Paul says in Romans 6, we have died with Christ to sin. So Paul means here that because you have died to sin, you died. You died to those things of earth. That is a one-time deal. You're not going back. And in this passage, in chapter 3, Paul has already emphasized the Colossians' new life, right, in verse 1. But we have to have both of those things. It's equally important to emphasize the death in Christ as well. What Paul is describing here is what is true of each one of us in Christ. We are still fighting sin. We're seeking after righteousness. That's actually what verses 5 through 17, the rest of this passage, that's what they're all about. 
So we still struggle with the presence of sin. But if we have died to sin in Jesus Christ, that means the power of sin and the penalty of sin have been dealt with. They have been broken in the death of Jesus Christ. We share in that victory now. So that's the first reason that we can actually seek the things that are above because we have died to sin and the things around us. Paul's second reason is related. He says, you have died and your life now is hidden with Christ in God. When Paul says that your life is hidden with Christ in God, he's actually telling us where we truly are. You know, you're all sitting here in the chairs. I can see you. You can feel life now. But Paul says, no, no, actually at the deepest level, you are not just here. You are actually also hidden with Christ in God. That's part of what it means to be united to Christ. We've been talking about this all through this passage. Part of being united to Christ is that your life is not here and now. Your life is where Christ is, with Christ in heaven. That truth is very hard for us to understand, but it's very important for us to understand. It's very hard for us to understand because we feel the reality of life here so strongly. We feel suffering. We feel the physical reality around us. And yet Paul is pointing us forward and upward. It's like what Paul tells the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says that God has actually already seated us with Christ in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is what is true of you now. This truth is so encouraging. This truth of being hidden with Christ is so encouraging. It gives us great confidence. It's one of the benefits here because our lives are completely secure because they're hidden in Christ. I mean, what can man do to me? What can man do to me if I am hidden in Christ? Nothing. But it's not just man. Think about it. Nothing can separate us from God. What does Paul say in Romans 8? I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is the confidence we have if our lives are hidden with Christ. But this truth also requires great faith because our lives now are hidden. We can't see them now. Our lives are in heaven, but we're still here. We're still here. And you know what? I'd love to say that I look different because I'm a Christian, but I don't. I don't. Have you seen those paintings of the saints where they get the halo and they get the glowing face? That's not true. I don't look any different than somebody else out on that street. And actually also, I need great faith because I don't experience much different than them either. In one sense, I have joy, they have joy. I have suffering, they have suffering as well. Sometimes it feels like that my life is just the same as my unbelieving neighbor. And at those points, that's where faith comes in because we know that the appearances are not accurate. God gives us faith to look into heaven to see what is actually true and who we actually are. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk trusting that our life truly is with Christ in God. But it's not an empty faith. We're not walking on a vague hope. No, 
God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. If He promised it, it's true. And we know what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And we know what God is doing in us as well. Each one of us can look into our own lives and we can see God's work in us. So actually, appearances are deceiving. We can have great confidence, great confidence in that faith because we are all looking forward to that day when faith will become sight. But we have faith now. But don't we want that? I want it. Don't you want it when that day when our faith will become sight? Yes, we do. And Paul ends this passage looking at that encouragement of Jesus' second coming. So we see third and finally in verse 4, the great encouragement of the passage. There's really a sense that in this whole passage, Paul is bringing us closer and closer to Christ. He started that, he said, we've, been, we've died and we've been raised with Christ. Now our life is hidden with Christ. And then verse 4, Paul says, actually, Christ is our life. There is nothing closer than that. Nothing closer than that, that Christ is our life. He's not just the reason for you living. No, he is actually the source and the substance of all of your life. Paul says it a different way in Galatians chapter 2. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In Galatians, then here also in Colossians, Paul is showing us just how deep our union with Christ truly is. And we have to understand that. We have to understand the depth and the completeness of being united to Christ because Paul's about to show us the heights of what is true for us in Jesus Christ. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, what will be true of you? Then you also will appear with him in glory. Our connection to Christ is so deep and it's so complete that when Christ returns in all of his glory, we will share in it. We will share in Jesus Christ's glory. His glory is of the only Son from the Father and he has the glory of being our Savior and being our judge. And you and I get to share in that. It's not, it's not because we're being made divine, right? It's not like we get to get you know, some of God's nature. No, 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 we're always going to stay creatures. But even then, even as creatures, we are sharing in the glory of Jesus Christ. We're going to share in that glory when we have those glorified, resurrected bodies, just like Jesus' own body. And we're going to share in the glory of Christ when we finally have those glorified natures, when we're actually transformed into the perfect image of Jesus Christ. That is where we're going. That is what is true of us. That's what's going to be true of us. Just stop a moment. Do you understand? Think about this and answer honestly. Do you understand just how amazing our future really is? God has taken us out of our sin and misery, and He has not just saved us. He has not just brought us into His family. No, He has joined us to His very Son, Jesus Christ. And He's done that now, and He's doing that for all eternity. That is what God has done for us. And Paul's point is, you know that, and you need to live like that. 
We need to live as those who are united with Christ. We need to live, as Paul says in Philippians, as citizens of heaven. Maybe I can put it another way. It's going to sound a little provocative, I know. But the book of Revelation, think about this, the book of Revelation is one of the most practical books for living the Christian life. It's not because it's full of commands. It's not the point. It is so practical because in the book of Revelation, we see the end of the story. We see Christ victorious and we see who we are in him. And we need more of that vision for our daily lives. I hope that you see that union with Christ and living that heavenly life. That's not kind of, that's not sort of like a mumbo jumbo that we just say. No, those things are the beating heart of the Christian life. But how do they change us? How do those truths change us? Well, let me suggest a few ways here. Number one, the realities of this passage deepen our understanding of the gospel. They deepen our understanding of the gospel. We, we can often believe and proclaim a kind of like gospel light, a, a, a stripped down version of the gospel by being too focused on the benefits of salvation. You know, look at what Jesus can do for you, something along those lines. And God in Christ has done so much for us. That's true. But the gospel in the Christian life is about so much more than the gifts. It's about Christ. It's about being united to Christ. Jesus gave himself for us to join us to himself. Every gift that we have only comes through Christ to us. And because we have Christ, think about it. Because we have Christ, that means our salvation at every moment is personal. And I mean that with a capital P. Personal in Christ. Salvation is never is never some sort of mechanical transaction with a distant God. Sometimes we can fall into that trap as we look at our theology. We have this great system doctrine. It's true, but do not miss that salvation at its heart is a living relationship with God himself in Christ. So this passage deepens our understanding of the gospel. But these truths also transform every part of our lives. True heavenly life with Christ should transform our heads, our hearts, and our hands. Every part of us is affected. Our thoughts, our understanding of the world around us, our feelings, our desire, the things we want, and our words and our actions, all of these are transformed as we set our minds on things that are above. All of our, mind, all of our life, all the moments of our life, just from, from the biggest decisions of your life, like what your retirement is going to look like, Okay? To the very smallest moments, like washing the dishes, keep constantly asking yourself, am I living the priorities of heaven right now? Am I focused on God right now? Am I seeking to be shaped in the image of Christ right now? Am I worshiping God right now? Paul says actually that if you're in union with Christ, then more and more you're going to be able to answer Yes. More and more, those things will be true of you because the risen Christ continues to work in you in all of your life by his spirit. But third and finally, these truths here help us to see our situation rightly. So often we let our circumstances, we let the things around us define our situation. No, 
The world around us, what we experience now, should not define us. Heaven defines us. We can so easily lose that kind of perspective in our lives, right? We forget who we are in Christ, where we are, where we're going. We get, we get caught up in the day-to-day of life, and our eyes drop from heaven to earth all too quickly. Right? It's the kids. It's the chores. It's the job. Even something good like church life can actually distract us from heaven. Or maybe we get distracted by, from heaven when we're, when we're fighting with sin and we do it with our own ideas, our own strength, our own plan, and not with Christ. Or we often lose our perspective when we're in times of suffering. Suffering can focus us so easily on the here and now instead of on who we are in Christ now. These are all real challenges in our lives. I would encourage us in whatever situation you find yourself in now, Meditate on these verses. Meditate on these verses. Spend time asking God to teach you these truths in whatever situation you're facing so that you can see clearly and live rightly relying on Christ. This is a passage that I hope and pray that you come back to regularly. We need to know and believe and live out these truths. And the great encouragement is that you can You and I can because Christ has died, he's been raised, he has ascended, he's reigning, and he's returning for you and for me. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, what a Savior we have. As we look at this passage and we see that we are connected to Christ in in all of who he is and all of what he's done for us in his death, his resurrection, his return to heaven, his reign, and when he comes back at the final judgment. Thank you, Lord, for the, the greatness of our salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would more and more help us to seek the things that are above, to live lives that are shaped by heaven, shaped by Jesus Christ, his victory and his reign. Lord, we pray that you would work that out in the big things of our lives and also just in the very nitty-gritty of our daily lives that we would seek to honor you, that we would seek the priorities that you have given us. And Lord, we want to do this with the confidence that you are the one at work in us to do these things, that this is part of that great work that you have started and that you will most certainly complete We pray that we would have that confidence now in Jesus' name. Amen.